Hi guys, welcome back. Hey, welcome back. I feel like I'm always wearing the same outfit for our podcast. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I have like, yeah, the same work outfits that I just rotate through in every podcast video I watch. I'm like, wow, that's flannel again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so what's the topic today? Today we're talking about, we're kind of branching off of our why is your dog not listening to you discussion we talked about last time and moving more into like more nuanced levels of it. I think like, you know, a common thing we hear a lot is like, oh, my dog is just being stubborn. That's why they're not listening. Um, maybe there's some like overshadowing that's happening with your cues you're giving your dog. Maybe there's not enough clarity in the command. Maybe they're in an environment that's too distracting for their proficiency level, so we're going to kind of dive into all of that. Okay. Um, start us off, guys. Start us, where do you want to start? <laughs> With the stubbornness? Yeah, so we hear a lot from clients, like, oh, my dog was just being stubborn in XYZ scenario. We wanted to kind of delve into what could be viewed as stubbornness and how to work past that with your dog so you're not feeling like because your dog is in a bad mood or they're being stubborn that we have to stop working through things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in terms of dealing with certain situations, I think it, one big factor is the situation in which the dog is in and how they kind of respond to mm -hmm. certain commands and everything. Um, I know that when I'm working with like more of a, a stubborn dog and everything, a lot of it also has to do with communication, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe the communication isn't really absolutely clear to them in the sense of what they are doing as opposed to what they should be doing, right? Um, but, you know, with it's hard because like with stubborn, I think it also gets kind of grouped into other things as well, like that, like miscommunication or something or like being confused. I know a lot of people are like, they always ask me, are they being stubborn or are they confused? Mm -hmm. right? And that's a big question I ask them a lot as well. Um, so or trying they to just kind like of, not know the command. Right. Yes. Well. Yes. Right. And so it's something that I think in terms of communication, obviously one big thing to kind of like work on to diminish the stubbornness between the dogs. Um, what do you guys think? I think that the, um, I do, I, one thing to keep in mind is that sometimes I think we expect our dogs to like learn very quickly mm -hmm. with things. So it's like if we've been working on, I've even seen like in some sessions I've done, like halfway through the session, say we're just working on sit mm -hmm. and they've nailed like 10 sits in a row and then all of a sudden the 11th sit, they don't do it. Mm -hmm. And you have to like help them with leash pressure, do something. And if that pattern keeps happening, a lot of owners will be like, why are they doing that? Yeah. They're being stubborn. They know better at this point. They know the command when in reality, they probably just, they just don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, it takes a lot of repetition for a dog to really grasp something mm -hmm. and to like learn a conditioned behavior. So I think in those situations, you just need to remember that your dog is still learning. Um, and then I think another a context it could be is that um, 
just the lack of clarity in the communication. So I think overshadowing your cues is probably the biggest reason that happens. Is mm -hmm. like when, so basically what overshadowing is, is when you are giving multiple cues to the dog at one time, even if you're not aware of it, they're gonna pick up on the most dominant one. So like if I say sit, while at the same time pulling a treat up into the air, the dog is not even really going to hear the word sit at that point. They're just going to cue off of like, oh, there's a food coming up. And then that means if I sit, I know that I get that food. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will do that or they'll do like the pointing. Yeah, they do. Yeah, snapping. Yeah. Like all of those things are, again, not necessarily bad to use if your dog understands what they mean. It's just you can't overlay them at the same time as a verbal cue if that's what you want your dog to learn. Um, and then be frustrated that the dog isn't responding to just the verbal cue. Yeah. So there has to be some separation there. So like if a dog, for instance, does respond to like some weird hand signal for sit and you want to teach the verbal cue, you can use classic conditioning and just say classical conditioning and just say sit. Mm -hmm. And then the dog will learn sit, it's and then this health exactly is tied to this, and then that puts you into the sit and a whole thing. Um, I generally would just use leaf pressure, but that's yeah. beyond the point. So I think that is probably a cause of lack of clarity at times. So making sure that you're being more intentional with what you're cueing your dog with, and then I would say just lack of follow through in general and holding the dog accountable is another way to confuse your dog. Mm -hmm. Like motivating as well, like what levels are proficient or good enough for you to get in through your training in your house may not be high enough or low enough outside. So we have to take into account that if we're practicing our commands outside or to a distracting location, that level may need to adjust. It's often, in my experience, needing to be a lot higher of a level because we're battling the dog's focus with all the outside stimuli. Yeah. Um, if your dog is proficient enough, I feel like it's totally okay to start incorporating it outside, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit of a process behind that as well. Or I wouldn't take a dog I just taught sit today to the park and expect him to do perfectly. At least without additional help. Yes. Right. You yeah. know? Right. <clears throat> Yeah, like it's yeah, it's one thing once you kind of establish some of the rule and then bring them to that environment to kind of work through it because you know it's an issue or whatever. You know there's going to be maybe not an issue, but more distraction, more stimulation, right? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to being in the house, but it's something that you know, like we we have to make sure again that that line of creation, the understanding of the command is open first and understood, and then we can start doing it because that's yeah, that's I think that's definitely a big thing that. With the boarding trains, at least, you know, they they work on stuff here, we do the sign down, then they go home, and like you were saying as well, like the proficiency of like keeping up with it as well, you know, understandably, people have lives, like these owners have lives, they, you know, they're not coming to work to work with their dog, you know what I mean? So it's, it is different, but it's something that keeping up with it is a big part of it because then you come back for follow up and they're like, well, you know, like, he just seems like he's like, just not, he's being stubborn at home and he doesn't really want to do it. And, and part of it, I think also has to do with maybe a little bit of kind of being the dog a little like too much mm -hmm. where you're like, well, you know, 
he didn't seem to really want to do it, so I wasn't really forcing him to do it. Yeah, he didn't and want to that's, do it. Right, and he it's just like, yeah. And so I think that's another big thing where, you know, you have to, you definitely have to keep up with that, like mm-hmm. that structure and letting them know that it's like, listen, when I don't care, mm-hmm. be as stubborn or stubborn as you want, do whatever you want, but mm-hmm. when I need you to do it, that's when I just need you to do it, mm-hmm. right? And you kind of need to just suck it up for that one yeah. moment or whatever, five minutes that I'm asking you to hold that duration so that I can do what I need to do, you know? Yeah, and there are times where things could be a little bit of a struggle in training. It's not all supposed to be like a cakewalk. And I feel like when people reach a struggle, they're like, I've done something wrong. And of course, we don't want multiple sessions, multiple days in a row to be a struggle, but it's fairly normal every now and then, especially in the process of teaching, that things are going to be repetitive or things aren't going to go as smoothly as you hope. And we have to, we can still help the dog work through them if our clarity is really good, our motivation is really good, and we're offering help if the dog is in the stage of needing the help. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that if your dog is really practiced at this, that we can go out to a park and not hold them accountable for sitting. So it's, it's kind of where your dog's in the training process and how much distraction work you've implemented, how proficient you feel they are at the, in the command at home and their natural settings. Yeah. yeah, I would say that, and it was funny because when I was with Senny just right before this, we were talking about it, but a lot of times, like, with my clients, the way that I'll break down, like, working on the commands is, like, the first initial stage is, like, the tons of repetition stage mm-hmm. where we're just conditioning in the word with the behavior. And once we're able and confident that the dog can hear the word and execute the behavior, and you just, you see that... Um, click for them and they're like I know exactly what that word means got it and we're not doing a lot of helping then you can start to focus on like your three D's of like distance duration distraction Mm -hmm. with the commands and I usually have people focus on one D per session Mm -hmm. that they're doing so it's like if we're at the point the dog knows the bed command and they can execute it brilliantly now we're going to say okay for this session we're working distance Mm -hmm. so i'm not doing a lot of distraction and i'm not doing a long duration necessarily Mm -hmm. we're just putting the dog on the bed i'll walk out of the room and i'll come back i will walk over there and then i'll come back you know i'll do these longer distances and just really drill basically that concept the whole session and then maybe another session we're going to do just distractions Mm -hmm. so i'm not going to necessarily have the dog hold it for absurdly long periods of time and i'm not going to walk super far away we're just going to have the kids running around the house and like stuff going on and i'll just be right next to the dog able to help them if they need it because that's a little bit more difficult and then maybe the next session we're going to do duration and put the dog on the bed and then we sit down and we eat dinner or we watch tv mm-hmm. or whatever and they're there for 30 minutes 45 minutes yeah. and once you're you're able to tackle all of those individually then you can start to combine them all together mm-hmm. where it's like okay the dog is on the bed for 30 minutes while i'm all the way in the kitchen cooking and the kids are running around <laughs> and, I, and i think it helps owners a lot i'm sure with with pinpointing exactly where the dog struggles the most with it. Mm-hmm. And, that's uh, good. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so you it's can, something that then yeah. you can just focus on that again more so, you know. Look at those like baby steps involved mm-hmm. in things and you can think like what stage is my dog at and how do I work them rather than I feel like your point earlier is people go into it really fast and mm-hmm. then they expect their dog to perform the, these behaviors and they end up feeling extremely discouraged in the session because their dog 
did not meet their expectations. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes like a recalibrating of the session and a little bit of reflecting like what went wrong, what could go better next time, and how can I improve moving forward. And that can be a little bit difficult in the process, but it's very essential to pushing and growing your dog in any environment you'd like it to be in. And most dogs aren't stubborn. That's, that's why I keep using like the air quotes. It's yeah, like, like true, like I feel the same way about the word stubborn that I do aggressive. Yeah. Like there's just like very few dogs yeah. that are that's what I mean. I think it's a very stubborn. like common word to use that yeah. kind of incorporates a lot of different things that people just like chalk it up as being stubborn. Yeah. Right? Right. They exist. Yeah, yes. I've met, oh, yeah. met them. They yes. definitely exist. I have one. Yeah. But like, there's just it's there's you need to rule out all the other causes of it before mm-hmm. you can really decide like okay that dog's just stubborn mm-hmm. and like, truly doesn't want yeah. to do it. It's right. very human emotion, and we often humanize our dogs way too much, and then we're like, why aren't you acting like a human? Yeah, and you have to realize like it's a dog. Yeah, um, and I don't believe dogs are ever doing it in, in most of the cases, not doing anything intentionally to make you angry. No, yeah. or they're not like crossing their arms and be like, "I'm not sitting today." Uh-huh. Yeah, it's there's something some kind of there's some up. disconnect there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because it's like I mean, say for instance, like you have a dog that you think is stubborn on their recall. Maybe you should analyze when are you recalling them? Are you recalling them every time they want to go sniff that corner of the yard or explore or go after a ball or like, are you only recalling them in situations where they're like, ah, I like want to go do that thing. (laughs) And then not allowing them like, Oh, of course, like safe settings and I'm talking about safe things, but like if you're constantly interrupting something they really enjoy with a command that you don't use in any other context, then yeah, they probably are going to be like, I hate that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. You know, the same way that like, if you put a muzzle on a dog only right before they go to the vet, the muzzle starts becoming the association and the trigger for like, I'm going to get stressed and panicked and uncomfortable, you know? know, Yeah. 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 So it's like, you kind of have to analyze a little bit too. Like if your dog is not, is being stubborn in certain contexts, like what, what could I maybe, what am I doing with my commands relationship wise with my dog to, to create that type of environment yeah. where they don't want to listen to me? And how engaged is your dog with you, which is huge. Like mm-hmm. we saw an example of that we saw the other day at the trainer's night. Um, my dog had no engagement with me. Mm-hmm. She was just completely off and we had to take a step back. And I looked at that situation and said her food drive wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. She was maybe a little bit too distracted to perform what I'd like her to do. So we took a step back, worked on getting her nice and engaged with me. And I did that through adjusting her food drive a little bit and working her at times that she was able to focus on me. Mm -hmm. And that kind of built our relationship back up. I was able to use her dinner and her food as her biggest motivator. Mm -hmm. So not calling her out of situations of playing with my other dog constantly, we're doing more livable sessions Mm -hmm. in the house Um, and using a lot of heavy reward because that really truly worked for her. Yeah, like does your dog enjoy being around you? Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge piece of like, like, 
success. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So are you are you a pleasant person to be around when yeah. you're with your dog, or are you always frustrating? Are you always putting them? And and I actually have a client I'm working with right now that I have a session with this evening that I was going to talk to because. I think I figured out she's been having a lot of like ups and downs with her dog's reactivity Mm -hmm. walking and we hit a really good piece where like things were going really well and then she just messaged me and said that she had a couple really bad walks and I think I think what might be happening is she's working on it too much and I know that sound that might sound weird but I think what might be happening because she's so dedicated. She's like one of the most dedicated people I've ever worked mm-hmm. with. She's on top of it. She does everything, like she's amazing. And her dog is making really good progress, but I'm almost wondering if the dog is just getting burnt out because she'll literally take this dog on like, I think she goes every single day, yeah. if not twice a day on walks. And I'm almost wondering if like, we're hitting these really good strides and then we get these bad moments because the dog's like, I can't do it anymore. Well, and it's also <laughs> I need a break. Is, she, is she working it to a point that like she's she's almost wanting it to happen? You know what I mean? Like not I'm, sure. You know what I mean? Like in the sense of like you're doing these really long walks every day, like super tough distractions. Yeah, almost looking for sure. a dog to do it. Right? Yeah, and, and not that's... being like, hey, you know what? This week we went on three walks and really good. Mm-hmm. Let's just chill and relax yeah. for a few days, and we'll try it again next week. Right? Yeah, and so I was something... like, I was. Th- I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was because what I was thinking of telling her was like maybe we go on like two really tough walks a week, like yeah. to really busy parks and stuff. And then like, if you just really love going for walks, you can still walk with her, but pick like pretty low mm-hmm. difficulty. Have more enjoyable. Yeah, right. really low difficulty walks so that like, we're, we're giving her like decompression time mm-hmm. in between like the really, really tough stuff. Um, Cause I've been racking my brain. I'm like, what could it be? You know what I mean? Yeah, Cause I'm like, point. what's, like what's happening that like things are going really good and then we're hitting these rough spots and then really good for a while. And I truly think maybe the dog, cause we see it sometimes with like daycare, dogs that come to daycare too much. Yeah. They just get burnt out yeah. and then they get grumpy Social and they don't want to, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So I'm wondering if that's kind of part of the piece of it. Sometimes people, if they're working on a specific issue, which trainers can sometimes be guilty of too, is that we try to chase down that dog on walks, you're like, <laughs> yeah. we gotta walk by this dog, and then you're constantly putting your dog in. Well, why it's good to do that and expose them, we have to think, are there other areas in which the dog is displaying these really high arousal behaviors that we can also get on? Mm-hmm. So, not only addressing it outside of the house, but inside of the house, are they barking off the window? Are they going nuts when the mailman comes to the door? Mm-hmm. Um, and reactivity can sometimes just be a symptom of a larger problem Yeah. at times. Um, so it's kind of like finding a balance of making your sessions still enjoyable and doable for your dog, like heating results that you'd like to have. Mm-hmm. So not making every session like the most difficult going into war session. Yeah, because then it's like every time your dog's with you, they're like, here we go again. <laughs> Where sometimes you just need to let them like have like success, mm-hmm. yeah. like be easy. Yeah. Go for a walk, never see a dog. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the only dog you saw. 
Yeah, sorry. That, no, no, that no, way you're just you're just focusing on the wall. I just I, I knew I'd forget it if I didn't. Um, it's something where you can just you're able to walk or focus on the actual walk. So it, it really you're you're doing the same thing but focusing on a different aspect of it, right? Yeah. Whereas like where maybe that client is she's going on the walks and and structuring the heel command and doing all that stuff I'm sure mm-hmm. but she's doing it to kind of work through the reactivity yeah. right and it's something I think that's kind of what you were getting at is just like take a break from that thing and mm-hmm. focus just on the walk make yep. that like good maybe and maybe it's something where just working on that and focusing on it will even clean up some of the, the heel and the, yeah. the come command and everything you know so I think that's I think that's definitely a good thing to at least try, you know, and see if that's that's kind of where yeah. things are getting dicey. It's like, but, it's like one of those situations where you're just lying in bed at night and you're like, why can't I figure this out? How can I make it better? How can I yeah. help? Yeah. A sort of creativeness that trainers need to have. I'm thinking about your dogs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> If you're one of my clients, I'm constantly thinking right. about your dog. I know. Trying to figure like I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to enjoy my off day. I'm like, you know, it could really help. Amazing. We, we take your session. stress too, you know, so we yes. get it, you know. We want to help you with your problems yes. so you feel like you can really enjoy your dogs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I really enjoy my dogs. And yes. I didn't always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. No, I think a big, I think that might be one of the biggest pieces of like success with your dog is you need to figure out a way to make it enjoyable majority of the time. Yeah. Like tough moments are fine. That's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And tough like spans of time is inevitable where you're kind of tackling the same issue and it feels like it's just like, why aren't we getting anywhere with this? Um, but again, within that, you need to find pockets of like mm-hmm. joy <laughs> yes. with your dog. Because find something that they're really good at and allow them yeah. to be successful with that thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be obedience. It could be like fetch, play, mm-hmm. anything like that. Yep. And I think it's I think it's as much as you want it to be enjoyable for the dogs, it should be enjoyable for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. You know. I think if we are constantly stressing out because we're putting our dogs and we're trying to work them through this reactivity and stuff like that, and we are doing these up and downs and stuff, it can be very frustrating for us and it, mm-hmm. and, and not really enjoyable for us. But if it's something where we can have that little success there and then kind of take a day off or two and just kind of go on a nice walk and enjoy our time, you know, it's enjoyable for us as well. And I think that's like one thing that I always try to let the clients know is especially like when they're first kind of starting to to work with their dog after the training and stuff is you know to to not let it be like a job to you right yeah. it should be something where yeah take initiative and stay you know on the right pace but it's something where it's it's okay to take a day off you know your dog's not going to forget it those problems you know like are still going to like be able to work be work the next day but it's just something where like as an owner, you have to kind of like take it day by day as well, you know. And like you have to fill your own cup so you can help fill your yeah. dog's cup. And you have to take care of yourself and your mental energy and how you're expending that. Um, and help maybe take a day off from training. Like yeah. you can still mm-hmm. manage your dog throughout the day, but you don't have to actively do training every single day for four hours a day. Mm-hmm. Right. And studies show that like shorter sessions more oh, frequently sure. 
are so much more beneficial to dogs than long sessions where they're dreading going into it. Mm -hmm. Well, and two, I think something important to look at too, because I had a situation when I first started working with Cash, where Cash never used to like men at all. He would just kind of avoid them, and if they tried to interact with him, he would growl and kind of back up and stuff. And there was, it was never an issue, except when men really wanted to be able to like interact with him or pet him when he was younger. And he was probably going through like a fear period or something, mm. so when he was a puppy. Um, and I remember getting stuck on feeling like I had to fix it and like make him not avoid them or like just like trying to tackle that issue and I remember a trainer that I really really admired at the time told me he goes why is it an issue right and I said hmm <laughs> he's like it sounds like you're it's an issue because you you're making it an issue yeah he's like in your everyday life is it an issue right like, does it really cause that many problems or is it something that you can just kind of like let work itself out mm -hmm. and see kind of what happens? Mm -hmm. He's like, obviously, if he's lunging, if he's acting aggressive, he's doing stuff like that, like, yes, it's something we should work on. But like, are you deciding that this now is a problem, whereas before, like it probably wouldn't have been mm -hmm. and you're hyper focused on just like I need yeah. to fix this yeah. and in your effort to fix it you're just making it worse right. <laughs> you know because you're yeah like like some people you know they would be like well I want them to be better with guys so every time a guy comes over they're yeah. trying to like warm them up to it and do yeah. stuff and it's yeah it's like over exposure yeah. but it's something where it's just like like we were talking about you know managing yeah things yeah and it's like too like too as well Maybe in the situation of a dog who's reactive, like yeah. you have a dog who's dog reactive, whatever, and you're like, I need to fix this. So every day you're going to these really populated parks. Mm -hmm. Would you be going to those places if you didn't feel mm -hmm. like you needed to fix that? Right. Or are you more the type that goes on hikes mm -hmm. that are more isolated where you mm -hmm. see one or two dogs? Or are you the type that really would just probably walk around your neighborhood if yeah. you didn't feel obligated to find dogs for your walks? Right. You know, so it's like, if that's something that you wouldn't normally do mm -hmm. and your dog is perfectly fine seeing one to five dogs on a walk and they are cool and fine, but as soon as you put them in a really populated park, like if that's a goal for you, if you like going to places like that, then absolutely keep working on it. Right. But like if that's not something you would normally do in your routine or in your life, maybe you should look at it and be like, do I need to do that? Is it necessary, <laughs> Is it necessary at that point? Yeah. It's like a challenging thing to face as a trainer because sometimes like my agenda for your dog is completely different than your agenda for your dog yeah and you have to kind of collaborate with the owner and meet them where they're at and listen to their goals mm -hmm. and i can give you my two cents about why you should do certain things but ultimately i don't want my clients to feel forced to do something that they don't normally do yeah right. yeah absolutely yeah because yeah, again like we've talked about like for me, with my own dogs, like, I will never have a dog that can't be off-leash. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, that's a massive priority, so I will always prioritize that. For some people, they don't want to do that. Yeah. So, and that's fine. Right. And for a long time in my training career, like, 
in the beginning stages, like I, I did. I, I felt like I had to like make every dog reach its like fullest and best potential and like make the owners want to do things mm -hmm. with their dogs when in reality, like they didn't want to, right. and that's fine. You yeah. know, I, I, I needed to focus more on what did the owners and the dog actually want out of this versus mm -hmm. like when I see a dog, I see all of the like great, amazing things they could do. And a lot of times it's just not a priority for them. Yeah. And I, and I found as well, just from doing that, you know, same thing that if you, if it does seem like they have to do all this stuff and they have to get their dog to be an off leash when that was never really one of their major issues or goals necessarily, right? Everyone obviously would probably love like that, but anyways, yeah. it's something that I think the the effort and the drive that they want to put forth and the training kind of goes down as well because oh, it's sure. like, well, now I have to do this and this and this, where it's like, really, all I care about is that they go on their bed when people come over, you yeah. know, but it's like, but, but the trainer wants me to be off leash, so, you know, I got to keep working. Yeah. And so, yeah. it, like, I think it can kind of like drag them down a little bit, you know, so I, that, I've definitely like tried to, to get better with that as well, you know. Well, a lot of like reflecting the yeah. trainers do and you should be reflecting on your clients and the situations and how your interactions are going and really help build your clients and help them achieve exactly it what they want with their dog mm -hmm. and like i have a dog that um, i'm working with that has extreme reactivity and that's all they wanted fixed and to the point where the dog was knocking over breaking windows in their house and they're like we were so happy. We we're like two sessions in, and I'm like, "Well, we have a lot more to work on." They're like, "We're very happy." Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like showing them what their dog is capable of, and then it's up to them to decide: Does this fit into my life? Yeah. And can I enjoy this? And if the answer is yes, and they put the work into it, they can certainly have off leash. Mm -hmm. They can certainly have those yeah. goals. But it's that you get in what effort you're going to put into something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I think sometimes it's important to ask people, obviously when you start working with someone, like, what are you hoping to accomplish out of this? I usually have people rank things. Like, mm -hmm. what's your most important goals? And then kind of go down. And I always tell them, I'm like, put aside what you think is possible. Mm -hmm. And just tell me if, if you could have like your ideal life with this dog, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people get hung. They don't, Maybe people say they don't want to do off-leash, but it's because they don't think their dog can ever do it. Yes. Or they're too, too uncomfortable doing it or whatever it is. So sometimes you just have to get to like, yeah, mm -hmm. you have to get to like the bottom of the motivation of it of like, well, why is that not a goal for you? Is it because you truly don't want to do it? You don't find value in it? Or is it because you just don't think your dog could do it? Because mm -hmm. yeah. those are two very different things. We live in a world where everything there's a quick fix for everything and there whether it's advertisement like a weight loss pill or this or that yeah and you can view the world as like how can i get this as fast as i possibly can we need to be focusing on how can i achieve really really quality results rather than like skipping over these really essential important parts of development and working with your dog mm -hmm. and unfortunately it takes time and that could take i'm I always say that dogs are never not in training. My dogs will always be in training because I'm going to be working with them every day. Mm -hmm. 
or not not every single day, but in most of my life. Yeah. And I have to figure out a way that that works. Right. Well, they're not inanimate objects. Yeah. You know, it's not like you program them and then they're just yeah. like good mm-hmm. to go after that. Like they change. Mm-hmm. You know, they're constantly changing. And it takes work. It, it takes a lot of work. And something we're working on in, in my pack specifically is we've been stuck inside for the winter for like six, seven months. So now things are getting nice again and we're refreshing all of our recalls and our distraction work. And it's normal to go through periods where you're maybe touching up on something that you're realizing is an issue with your dog. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of going back to the like um, issues that maybe people have with their dogs listening and stuff is that I think you touched on a good piece of it <clears throat> with like the everyday maintenance is that, again, it is a very much relationship thing. So it's like with your dog being stubborn or not listening, it's really not stubbornness. It's just that their relationship with you is when you say these words, mm-hmm. they don't mean anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, how many times have you said, come to your dog, and they just continue sniffing in the backyard, yeah. and like, it's just a meaningless mm-hmm. word to them. It doesn't have anything behind it. It's not that they're deliberately ignoring you, maybe, or that they're trying to be defiant or whatever. It's just that they're like, that carries no relevance to right. me. <laughs> Your dog's not doing anything out of spite to make you angry. Yeah. They're just not understanding what you want or your relationship isn't very balanced with them. Mm-hmm. I think that as a human, it's hard to take accountability for things. We're always trying to mm-hmm. shift things mm-hmm. onto other people. And so a lot of times it's easier to blame the dog than it is to take accountability for the situation Mm -hmm. and be like, my dog is literally an animal. However they are behaving is 100% (laughs) within my control Mm -hmm. most of the time. So with stuff like that, it's like, you just kind of have to own up to the fact that like, if your dog isn't listening to you, if your dog's behaving poorly, whatever it is, like you are the only one with the power to be able to fix that. Mm -hmm. So we could either keep blaming the dog and nothing's going to change or we could actually step up to the plate and make some executive decisions on what needs to happen. Um, and then having realistic um, expectations of like, I, I mentioned this earlier before we started the podcast was like, sometimes people have really low expectations for their dogs in some areas and make excuses for them and their behavior. And then sometimes they feel like they have very like, high unrealistic expectations in other areas. So an example I gave is like somebody with like a one year old dog that still jumps when people come over and gets excited. People are like, oh, they're just a puppy. They're excited, you know, they make all these excuses. Um, because it's more convenient to allow the dog to do that behavior and make an excuse than to have to correct the behavior and feel bad about correcting it. Yeah. And then in turn, Maybe they have a puppy who's four months old and they're like, why isn't the puppy telling me they have to go outside? They're still peeing all over the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like, let's take that frustration, maybe not frustration, but that really weird high expectation on a puppy. Yeah. Let's put that on the one-year-old dog who's jumping right now and yeah. then shift the excuses to, yeah. it's a puppy, you yeah. know? Like, you have to still have it on a schedule at that yeah. point. Yeah. And like there's a mentality like they'll grow out of it and that's Mm -hmm. just not the case like you have to be able to put in work to guide if you are having if you have a puppy 
to guide that puppy's behavior throughout your house and set those expectations, there is no growing out of it. It's probably just going to become worse. And that's Be my thing too is, is, you know, with, with the jumpy, for example, or whatever, these behavioral issues, if the dog is allowed to do it from being a puppy and, and is never really corrected for it, how is it supposed to know that that's a bad thing? Exactly. You know, how is it supposed to know that that's what you don't want it to do, right? Mm -hmm. Except for when you yell its name and then you like shove it off or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, you you made it jump off, but you didn't say what was wrong. Yeah, you didn't exactly. Say that, you know? All they know is that a behavior they've done a hundred times and it's been fine. Now all of a sudden you're mad at them. Yes. Like, and again, like anger has no place mm -hmm. in training your dog. So your dog is not responding to that anger in that moment with like, oh, the jumping is why they're mad. Yeah. They're just like, holy crap, why are you mad at right. me right now? Right. Like, I'm what are you just so trying to say hi to this person? That is like <laughs> the, the perfect way to damage your relationship yeah. with your dog. Very is to like allow a behavior when it's convenient for you to allow and it's mm -hmm. cute and it's funny and then all of a sudden they jump on grandma yeah, and you're pissed you. about it. Yeah, <laughs> in your hand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just like you have to be able to address those behaviors right when they start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The only way a dog could grow out of something like that is if they literally never got reinforcement for it when they did it. Yeah. And I would say there's probably still some dogs that would still do it, yeah. you know, even Everyone if they weren't small. getting reinforced, but like, that's really the only way I can think of that a dog would grow out of that. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Is if every time they jumped on somebody, the person completely ignored them. Yep. There's yeah. maybe they would stop doing it, but again, like, that's not realistic. Well, that's what people say with like, you know, when a dog jumps on you, you turn around and you like do that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you're kind of on the right path to say, you know, yes, you're trying to ignore him, you're not acknowledging Listen, you're Grandma, doing it. I know you're on oxygen with right. a walker, turn but around. Turn around. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, I think that's the same point where, like, it's like, it might decrease the probability of the dog, maybe eventually, but yeah. if they get stimulated enough, they're yeah, going to do it. Yeah, because yeah, so. they don't know it's completely off limits. Right. Yeah. And like, using, like, a lot of people will be like, well, I like when my dog hugs me, or I like when they jump on me. Mm -hmm. Like, what mixed messages you're giving, and you can't have your dog crawl over you and hug you, and then get mad at them when you yeah. are coming in, or when they with scratch you. Yeah, yeah, their nail gets you, or they start jumping on your child and mm -hmm. damaging and hurting your child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, there's ways to like my dogs. They do it on invitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. you just have to remove the difference. power from the dog of choosing. Right. You know, I don't yeah. allow my dogs to just jump on me when they want to. Yeah. They have to be explicitly invited to do that. Yeah, like, have and there's be, a huge difference in that. Yeah. And be able to correct them emotionally, not be like, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you don't take the time, I, I think the biggest piece of that is like if you don't take the time to train your dog on what behaviors you do and don't want you have zero place to be getting angry at them mm -hmm. when they're doing something that doesn't fall within what you want in that exact scenario that you've never prepared them for right <laughs> if you're not trying to communicate with your dog then you can't get mad at them for not understanding what you're trying to say exactly <laughs> it's very yeah. unfair to them yeah. and that that i would say probably does 
beyond any training tools or styles or anything like that that you do with your dog, that is what will damage the relationship the most. Mm -hmm. Because again, you they, they, they don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. They just know that all of a sudden you're mad at them. Yeah. And, sorry. I was just gonna say just another thing I was thinking about another common area where people say, you know, my dog's being stubborn, kind of going back to that whole thing, mm -hmm. is the sense of uh, like counter surfing and getting yeah. the trash and everything. It's like, yeah, you know, like I told them, you know, no, or I told <laughs> yeah. them not to jump up on the thing <laughs> yeah. and they leave for five minutes and the dog comes back and he's like, oh, he's just so stubborn. He doesn't want to listen to me. And yeah. it's just like, again, the communication of just being like, well, one, just don't leave it out. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's as simple as that, if you're only going to be gone for three minutes or something, just put it away or whatever. Keep yeah. put it out of reach, you know. But yeah. if it's something that you want to actually work through and let them know what's what not to do, then you have to have that that kind of situation set up where you can work through it. Mm -hmm. And I think behavior issues more than like commands. I find where I I hear people say more stubborn stuff with like the barking or the jumping or, or, you know, digging holes outside or something where mm -hmm. they'll yell at the dog, they'll yell their name or whatever. And the dog will like stop and look at them yeah. and they're like, well, yeah, they look at me and then they go back and they keep digging a hole. Yeah. Right? It's like, again, what you were saying, going back to what you're saying is it's something where you're yelling their name and they're hearing your voice. So they're like, Oh, mom's saying something yeah. and they're looking at you. Like, don't know what she's saying, and then they go yeah. back to digging, right? So it's like yeah. they're not being suffered, they just don't know what you're trying to do, yeah, right? So, so I think that those, those, I just wanted to make that point. I just yeah. thought of it too, but that's that's something else. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think that it's, and in those situations too, that is another whole point of people using obedience to avoid or interrupt behavioral mm. issues, which you just need to correct behavioral issues yeah. on their own. Yeah. Um, you know, if your dog's barking out the window, you shouldn't tell them come or bed. Right. You need to just correct it if you want it to go away. Because mm. again, you're not telling them they're wrong. Right. You're just saying like, hey, come do this thing. Mm. And they're like, bah, 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 cool. And yeah. then they just yeah. go. And then as soon as you release them, they're back at the window yeah. barking again. Like yeah. sticking them on, does that make you that you're only using your commands when your dog's doing something really naughty and bad? But yeah. super reinforcing yeah. them. They love it. Mm -hmm. They're having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I want to walk out the window and you're making me go to my bed. Why the heck would I want to stay on my bed? Yeah, yeah exactly. So you need to kind of balance their whole relationship point. in the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Yeah. Any last thoughts? I think that was good. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. See if this week explore, ask yourself, is my dog being stubborn or am I just not communicating properly? Yeah. Yes. What What else could I be looking at? What could I be doing to better myself so I can have mm -hmm. a better dog? Mm -hmm. What things can you do to try to improve the relationship between you and your dog? Again, um, have some fun. Mm -hmm. Go have a little play session. Go throw a ball in the yard. Just do something enjoyable. Yes. For both Go you and your dog. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. That's good. All right. Thanks, Til guys. Next time.